1: We have breaking news on Pod Save the World. We are releasing this episode a couple days early because today the New York Times reported that Kim Jong-un told a South Korean delegation that he is willing to begin negotiations with the United States about abandoning its nuclear program. We should approach this announcement with some skepticism, with some caution, but it could be a pretty big deal. So I got an Asia expert named Danny Russell on the phone to talk through what it all means and to really level set on how hopeful we should be and how the United States should proceed From here. Please excuse the phone quality audio. We did this quickly, but I think you will appreciate uh, Danny's take on this announcement, uh, his experience negotiating these things in the past, and what he made of President Trump's press conference today. So without further ado, here's the interview with Danny Russell. I am very excited to welcome back to the pod, Danny Russell, the diplomat in residence at the Asia Society in New York, he was also Assistant Secretary of State for Asia during the Obama administration. Uh, he was a Asia director on the NSC when I was there and is a longtime diplomat and a hell of a smart guy. Danny, thank you for doing the show.
2: My pleasure, Tommy.
1: So we're talking on the phone today. We didn't go with the uh, excellent sounding studio quality audio because there's breaking news. Uh, Today, the New York Times reported that Kim Jong-un told South Korean diplomats that he is willing to begin negotiations with the United States about abandoning its nuclear weapons and that they would suspend all of their nuclear and missile tests while engaged in those talks. So this is a potential breakthrough that came at the end of a two-day meeting in Pyongyang between North and South Korean officials. And believe it or not, uh, these were the first South Korean officials to meet with Kim since he took power six years ago. So this would be a major departure from Kim's previous position that their nuclear weapons are not negotiable. Uh, Danny, I didn't see this coming. What do you make of this announcement today?
2: Well, uh, Tommy, I think there's sort of two schools of thought in the North Korea analyst community. You know, one is that Kim Jong-un is basically Lucy with a nuclear football. And, you know, Charlie Brown or, or President Moon of South Korea or Donald Trump, for that matter, can take another run at the the football and try to kick it, but he's going to wind up flat on his ass like every other time. Um, but then there's the, another school of thought that thinks maybe like Bambi and Thumper and the Care Bears must have staged an intervention with Kim Jong-un. And uh, <laughs> Kim woke up the next morning and decided that, you know, he wanted world peace and to give up all his nukes. And so on. I, that possibility, as far as I know, hasn't been confirmed yet by U.S. intelligence but um the bambi scenario is probably the most
0: okay. plausible
2: explanation if you think that the clouds have have parted but okay. you know joking aside you know there's a, there's always going to be a cynical view of north korea there's always going to be a uh, a hopeful or wishful or even naive view of mm-hmm. north korea and it, you know it's it's important it's as important not to fall into Cynicism, so that you miss an opportunity, as it mm-hmm. is to avoid falling into some of the obvious traps that right. the uh, the North Koreans laid. But look, this is super early innings, and yeah. you know, it is a, a good thing that Kim Jong Un is finally meeting with uh, somebody that's kind of not in line to be executed. You know, not one of his flunkies. <laughs> He's met with very few foreign officials or dignitaries, that's a good thing. If it's true, and all, you know, at this point, we've got the moon government's somewhat hopeful interpretation of what they think they heard. Mm -hmm. And if they heard what they think they heard, that sounds like a pretty profound reversal of Kim's fundamental principle of not relinquishing his nuclear sword and shield, Mm -hmm. like you pointed out. But if he is even hinting at this, yeah, that's, A good thing, but I'd say it's uh, far from convincing that uh, we're on the path to some kind of peaceful settlement or credible negotiation. We've got to put it to the test.
1: Yeah, I I think you're exactly right that, like— It's not cooler to be cynical about potential progress. Uh, It is good to be cautious and prudent, but uh, we should allow for these openings to emerge. That said, our president at a White House press conference this afternoon definitely (laughs) took the the Bambi and Thumper perspective. He said he believes that Kim Jong-un's offer was sincere. Uh, He half joked that the reason for his change of heart is, quote, me. Kind of funny. And then he went on to not joke that this was because of pressure from sanctions and help from China. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Well, he also told the Gridiron Club, apparently, that he'd gotten a phone call from North Korea recently, um, which was half true because he got a phone call from the president of South Korea. (laughs) Distinction uh, worth noting, perhaps. Um, Look, it is to be hoped that the uh, kind of corrosive effect of the sanctions over the years in aggregate uh, and the improved enforcement in recent years, driven by North Korea's egregiously bad behavior, is starting to have an effect. The, the whole point of the strategy that was pursued by the Obama administration, and despite denials, is actually being pursued by the Trump administration. It's the same basic uh, approach of applying sanctions, bolstering deterrence and defense, tightening uh, cooperation, coordination with allies and partners and trying to keep the door open to diplomacy, the whole purpose of that kind of strategy of attrition was to move or to push Kim Jong-un to the point of recognizing that he was going to have to start down the road that he really did not want to go down, which is negotiating a halt and a rollback and ultimately an elimination of his nuclear program and of his ballistic missile program, both of which are illegal under the UN security council resolutions. That's what we're trying to do. But this is at most a first tentative early signal that maybe just maybe he's looking for some relief.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: And if we start, you know, swinging for the fences at this point, Uh, we're going to strike out, I predict. I mean, the thing to remember, Tommy, is that what's happening now is Kim Jong-un's play. You know, I'm sorry, but it's not President Trump's play. It's Kim's play. He's the guy who got up on New Year's Day and rolled out this offer of uh, deploying a joint team to the Olympics and of inter-Korean dialogue. He's the guy who suggested maybe a summit would be possible. Why don't you, we're going to send envoys to Pyeongchang to the Olympics. You can send your senior envoys to Pyongyang. This is his agenda. He's driving the action. And if you take a step back and look at what has been the tradition, the playbook under Kim Jong-il, the playbook under Kim Il-sung, you can see some similarities. So, you know, driving up the fear factor, you know, bringing it to a crescendo, and when it gets to the apex, you know, playing the, hey, maybe you can make the pain stop game and, you know, release a flood of endorphins in the bloodstream of South Korea and the U.S. and Japan and so on. like this is a pretty familiar overall pattern. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be possible to make something of this, and I'm not ruling out the possibility that we can uh, use this as an opening to begin to get something going. But we should be mindful of the fact that there are more steps to the. You know, North Korean square dance Mm -hmm. than just these two because usually it goes on to demand more and more concessions from the West without giving up anything in return, start getting to the point of being ridiculous where we put our foot down, and then suddenly, oh, North Korea is the aggrieved party again, it's the American hostile policy you know, back to the escalatory phase and now we're seeing ICBMs, now we're seeing nuclear tests again. You know, he wants to be bought off. And so what we may be starting is the haggling phase. And that means that it's very important because the Koreans are, by and large, pretty good negotiators. It's very important that we stay firm and focused on what North Korea has to do ultimately to be able to get out from under sanctions and to avail itself of the many good things, diplomatic normalization, economic aid, peace treaty, and so on, Mm -hmm. that the U.S. and ROK, Japan, and even China have on offer.
1: Right. So you you made an important point, which is, You don't want to try to hit a home run and strike out and and end up getting nothing done. And I've heard Ash Carter, former secretary of defense, make a similar point that the way you conduct diplomacy with North Korea is to have sort of small, specific, concrete steps. Right. So I say that as a caveat to the following question, which is nitpicking at all these details, because a moratorium on missile and nuclear tests doesn't mean that North Korea would have to stop building more nuclear weapons, right? Which which makes experts concerned that this could be a way to buy some time while they increase their arsenal. Is that a deal breaker? Or should we be cool with the progress uh, that this deal would constitute, even if it meant them, you know, increasing the aggregate number of nuclear weapons they have?
2: Well, Tommy, I mean, you know, in isolation, a moratorium is a very good thing. You do definitely want North Korea to stop testing as you are pointing out, the testing is the one-fifth of the iceberg that's above the water, and the rest of the program continues unabated unless there is inspection by the IAE, etc., and, and pretty stiff provisions, and those are provisions that in the past have uh, tanked uh, efforts to reach a, and sustain a deal. So a moratorium, while talks are underway, is A necessary condition, but it's not a sufficient condition for uh, making real progress and Mm -hmm. making real headway. Um, Look, North Korea, in my view, doesn't want to wage a nuclear war. Mm -hmm. It wants to, in the first instance, if it can swing it, negotiate a rental deal where we basically pay off North Korea month to month, week to week to tamp down its misbehavior and not to scare the horses.
3: <laughs> With their nukes um, on layaway? Right, exactly. Okay.
2: With And, you know, potentially the North Koreans can, env- I'm sure, envisage uh, being able to make compromises in the guise of mutual arms reduction and sort of responsible management of nuclear arsenals and all that. Mm-hmm. And you can always construct a scenario in which, there's an even worse option, the unfettered expansion of North Korea's nuclear arsenal and say, hey, isn't this good? Isn't this worth it? But the question is always going to be, what are we paying for it? And what are we really getting for what we're paying? So the principle that guided us in the Obama administration was we won't pay for something reversible and hypothetical like a promise of a moratorium with something that is irreversible and substantive but if north korea will do something will take an irreversible step to walk back its nuclear and missile programs to begin coming into compliance with the Security Council resolutions in a way that can't be just switched back at a moment's notice, then for sure we want to respond positively. It's the difference, Tommy, between trying to bribe North Korea, what I call a doggy treat, right? I mean, if (laughs) North Korea takes a step in the right direction, we should respond positively. But we should not be paying north korea or bribing north korea to forego uh the next provocation that's just a losing proposition
1: these analogies are working on me because i have a five-month-old puppy and i i get it (laughs) uh lots of treats please don't poop in the house at all makes sense here exactly Pod Save the World is brought to you by the U.N. Refugee Agency. The U.N. Refugee Agency, or UNHCR, responds to emergencies and provides long-term solutions for refugees. They provide aid in over 130 countries, including Ukraine, Syria, Afghanistan, and Sudan, where people are forced to flee from war and persecution at their greatest moment of need. UNHCR helps and protects refugees by providing food, shelter, medical care, and other life-saving essentials. The agency jumpstarts relief in three key ways— They transport core relief items stored in even the most remote areas of the world. They deploy expert emergency staff trained to help in crisis situations, and they transfer funds directly to support the emergency. Because of generous supporters and donors, UNHCR can scale up its response within 72 hours of a large-scale emergency. Your support helps provide life-saving aid for refugees whenever and wherever emergencies occur. Donate to USA for UNHCR by visiting unrefugees.org slash donation. That's unrefugees.org slash donation. Support for Pod Save the World comes from the International Rescue Committee. The IRC works in more than 50 countries, serving people whose lives have been upended by war, conflict, and natural disasters. In places like Gaza, Ukraine, and Sudan, displaced families are experiencing war, extreme hunger, and life-threatening injuries. In Gaza, ongoing violence, bombardment, and blockade have made survival difficult for families living in damaged buildings and tents. The lack of safe water, medicine, and healthy food contributes to the spread of diseases, and children are especially at risk. That my dollar will go towards helping people it's not going to go to administrative costs or overhead fees it's just an incredible group doing great work i hope you'll consider them donate today by visiting rescue.org rebuild that's rescue.org rebuild this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors big and small when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, if you're listening to Pod Save the World, you need some therapy. If you're watching the events around the world that might freak you out, We've got this election coming down the pike. There's a lot of stuff that people uh, are stressed about, that are anxious about, stuff that makes you lose sleep, and therapy can help. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Crooked World. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot slash Crooked World. Mark Landler from the New York Times uh, broke this story, so a lot of credit to him. And, and in that piece, he talked about the fact that the U.S. and South Korea do these big annual joint military exercises that piss off the North Koreans uh, and the Chinese really to no end. They hate it. And in fairness, it kind of looks like we're preparing an invasion. So I get that. We delayed those joint military exercises with the rocks with the South Koreans during the Olympics this year. I was surprised to read in Landler's story in the New York Times that apparently Kim Jong-un didn't demand that the exercises planned for April be suspended again. That is another seemingly remarkably flexible position, no?
2: Well, again, remember that we're hearing this secondhand so yeah. far. like fifthhand. And, uh, you know, I've certainly learned, as you have, that particularly when you're dealing with an authoritarian or, a, you know, a, a Leninist system, you know, the slogan, world peace, uh, win-win, all that stuff, is... Um, has to be unpacked pretty you know pretty significantly before you know what you're really dealing with. So are the South Koreans kind of putting an optimistic gloss on traditional statements by North Korea that you know, hey, if only America would give up its hostile policy, then you know, anything is possible, who knows. Mm-hmm. Maybe that translates into South Korean as okay, we're ready to give up our nuclear weapons. <laughs> but to my ear, it means you know, first, the U.S. needs to withdraw all of its troops from the Korean Peninsula. And then, you know, the president of the United States needs to crawl over a field of broken glass apologizing. And then maybe. Um, so that's why I keep saying that we're in very, very early innings yep. here. And it's 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 way too early to know. But it's wrong to assert that the U.S. Rock, uh annual exercises, and there there's sort of two packages of uh, annual of exercises each year. It's wrong to assert that those are necessarily deal breakers, because mm-hmm. the record shows that when North Korea, which after all is kind of a one-man band, when the leader of North Korea found it convenient to ignore the exercises, he ignored them. And by the way, North Korea conducts the same sort of exercises more or less concurrently, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. what about that? And then conversely, when the leader of North Korea found it convenient to make this a big causes bell ideal breaker woe is me, the world is unfair— then he turned his propaganda machine uh, on that as evidence of the hostile policy. So North Korea can go either way, depending on what it judges to be in its interest in the short term. Right. Secondly, if the U.S. and South Korea accept the premise that defensive exercises that are meant to protect Seoul from a sneak attack or a sudden attack from the thousands and thousands of rockets and artillery pieces that are lined up just a few miles north of the DMZ, that those normal defensive exercises, which, by the way, as I said, are partner to the ones that, South, that North Korea itself conduct, if we accepted that, that is on a par with North Korea's illegal nuclear and ballistic missile programs, then, hello kind of what kind of negotiators are we (laughs) those are fundamentally different things one is straight up legitimate defense we've been doing it for decades and guess what we have never chosen to invade or attack north korea the other is explicitly outlawed under a mandatory chapter seven of the un charter resolution of the security council like those are pretty fundamentally different propositions mm-hmm. and we shouldn't buy into it the last thing i'd mention is that this these exercises are a critical piece in training the conscript army of south korea these soldiers turn over every 18 months mm-hmm. they are it is not a professional volunteer army like the american is and So to skip one year of this training exercise, which, although it has a field component, is really more sort of tabletop computer classroom and uh, logistical training stuff, means that you have a whole generation of South Korean conscripted soldiers who don't know what the fuck they're doing. (laughs) Fair point. And the U.S. and... The Iraq military are going to have a tough time conducting the defense of Seoul and South Korea if the South Korean conscripts don't get their training. in. so yeah. dispensing with the exercise entirely is no small matter above and beyond the principle that, you know, you're trading an apple for uh, a poison
1: Yeah. Fair point. We don't want these guys getting up to speed as uh, rockets are literally being fired. And we will all wait with bated breath to see if the Sean Spicer or Sarah Huckabee Sanders of North Korea clarifies these (laughs) uh, this South Korea readout of the meeting. But a a slightly different question for you. Okay, so let's say let's say this is all true and and we are going to get to talks. Who the hell is going to lead them? The State Department's top North <laughs> Korea negotiator, Joe Yun, just retired. I imagine you know him well. The guy who was supposed to be Trump's ambassador to South Korea, a person named Victor Cha, uh, who was a seasoned professional, was just pulled out of the nomination process. Who has the chops to do this? How senior should the U.S. negotiating team be? Like, is Dennis Rodman available? Is he the right guy? Uh, what do you think?
2: <laughs> uh, well, Dennis Rodman, I'm sure, is available. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, I mean, look at who Kim Jong-un sent to the PyeongChang Olympics, not to mention his sister, the princess. You know, he he sent for talks with the South uh, two very, very senior officials who were quite close to him and, you know, who are probably number one and two on the next to be purged if they look at him (laughs) cross-eyed list. Yeah, Look at who President Moon sent to Pyongyang to, you know, conduct the next uh, round. Uh, his spy chief and his national security advisor, the, the two officials who uh, are closest to him, who have his trust, who've been with him the longest. You know, th- this is, and by this I mean dealing with North Korea isn't an amateur sport. And the problem for the U.S. side is not that we lack expertise either on Korean affairs or on negotiations. We've got terrific people. We're all sorry to see Joe Yoon leave, but they're very, very competent people, knowledgeable people in the State Department. But that's not really the issue. The, the issue is who would Kim Jong-un see And for that matter, who would Moon Jae-in, the president of South Korea, see as incontrovertibly, credibly, authoritatively representing the president and the government of the United States? And could that person engage in some kind of diplomatic effort? without a reasonable fear that twitter was going to (laughs) you know pull the rug out from under him at any moment
1: right uh let's talk about a uh incontrovertibly credible source uh or option here uh john bolton trump reportedly met with the former u.s ambassador to the u.n john bolton today ambassador bolton still believes that invading iraq was the right choice He has already gone on Fox News to say that the North Koreans aren't serious about the talks. We'll give him a pass for that. Uh, What would it mean for North Korea policy, do you think, to have John Bolton installed in the White House, potentially as H.R. McMaster's successor as National Security Advisor?
2: Well, I I, I think first of all, and most importantly, Tommy, um, it would introduce into the national security decision-making process a Bush mustache. (laughs) the likes of which has uh, really never been seen in uh, the West Wing before. <laughs> Apparently
1: a deal breaker for Trump too, right?
2: <laughs> I kind of suspected maybe. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, what an asshole. <laughs> I mean, fuck. It is a little scary. Like, I am fully in the camp that I believe Trump is Trump and will be Trump no matter who is around him. But on national security, H.R. McMaster swap for John Bolton or John Bolton generally, does scare me. He is firmly in the neocon camp that seems to still want to invade everything despite the results from the last round.
2: Well, if it's any consolation to you, uh, Tommy, uh, Donald J. Trump did not get elected by listening to either the experts or his staff.
3: (laughs) True. That
2: seems to be a model that he has taken to heart and has applied with vigor in U.S. government. Yeah. Uh, I also haven't noticed four stars on John Bolton's shoulders, and that seems to be an important credential when it comes to winning the trust of President Trump on uh, matters big and small.
1: That's a good point.
2: Um, But look, I mean, this is all quite speculative. What we do see is that the president in turn seems to regard other foreign leaders or certain foreign leaders as peers and may be open to listening to them and, and learning from them. He learned from President Xi Jinping that Korea is actually part of China. <laughs> uh, but he's also learned, I think, important and, and valuable things, you know, not limited to geography, uh, from other world leaders, uh, notably from you know, the Japanese prime minister and the Australian prime minister and so on. Uh, Let's just hope that he doesn't get schooled by Kim Jong-un.
3: Tune into to Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber-exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricket.com slash friends.
1: Let me ask you one other question about a Washington expert. Senator Lindsey Graham recently said that a war with North Korea <laughs> would be, quote, worth it in terms of long-term stability and national security. He continued... If there's going to be a war to stop Kim Jong-un, it will be over there. If thousands die, they're going to die over there. They're not going to die here, he added. And Trump told me that to my face. Two questions. What do you make of this assessment that a war with North Korea will be worth it? And two, do you think this is a winning message for our allies in the region?
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, I, I think the answers are pretty clear. First of all, the United States has successfully, importantly, prevented war on the Korean Peninsula for now six decades, uh, in part uh, because people had a memory of what the last one was like. And uh, we should be mindful of the warnings of credible senior U.S. military officers, current and former, who warned that the First Korean War would look like a cakewalk compared to what we would face if we uh, did battle uh, on the Korean Peninsula again. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute that military options should be or are off the table. They can't be. And no president of the United States can be sanguine in the face of a North Korea that's uh, moving at breakneck speed towards the capability of being able to deposit a viable nuclear weapon on U.S. soil via an ICBM. Uh, and President Obama was not prepared to sit by and watch that happen, nor is President Trump. But the notion of a surgical strike kind of overlooks the fact that in surgery, you wind up with a, a lot of blood, uh, a right. lot of, you know, a lot of organs, uh, a lot of gore, and unfortunately, a lot of deaths. And the over there part not only undermines the important deterrent capabilities of the United States, which is really what's stopping Kim Jong Un from actually. Uh, drawing blood, but it also misses a very fundamental point, which is we're over there too.
1: Yeah, no kidding. In
2: addition to 28,500 American servicemen and women who are stationed in the Republic of Korea and have bullseyes on them, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of American citizens who live in Seoul alone. And then when you get to Japan, the numbers go up significantly. And the notion that we would absorb hundreds of thousands of casualties of our allies and of our citizens and that we wouldn't rush to the rescue, just beggars belief. It's not true.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's not. So I, I can't speculate what was in Senator Graham mind when he says this. Some people think that you can out bluff Kim Jong-un, that you can do the Gila monster act and puff up or the the Nixon crazy man. Um, but as I said before, you're just not going to succeed in out crazying Kim Jong-un. Yeah. You know, we have too much to lose. We've got Uh, track record that proves that we care about human life and human dignity and that is something that he will use to his advantage yeah it's just
1: such a glib stupid comment you know it's like if i'm a u.s service member living in in the region or if i'm one of our allies and i read something like that and then i realized that this is supposed to be one of the serious people who's a providing what little check there might be on Donald Trump from the Republican Party, and he has recently turned into his golf buddy, it would scare me a little bit. But uh, this is just my hobby horse. My final question for you, uh, I just want to switch gears a little bit. Um, The Communist Party of China did away with the 10-year presidential term limit recently, paving the way for Xi Jinping to be president for life. Uh, They said the reason was because the people demanded it. Is this a big deal, Danny? Like, What do you make of this? from your seat up there in New York.
2: I mean, I'm not the world's uh, authority on, on the Chinese Communist Party, but it did not come as a giant surprise to me that the guy who has dispensed with collective leadership, who has used an anti-corruption campaign to eliminate, literally and figuratively, uh, his rivals... Uh, who has begun a program of direct authoritarian control over all aspects of Chinese life within and, frankly, beyond China's borders, uh, that this guy wasn't planning to commit to retire at the end of his second term. It's a little surprising to me that it has uh, generated... Uh, apparently, quite a bit of uh, of turmoil and some backlash within China. I had maybe foolishly assumed that people generally saw this coming mm-hmm. and I admit to not having been sufficiently erudite to have realized that this decision would have to be made now on the the cusp of the first meeting of the National people 's Congress at the very beginning of. Xi Jinping's term, I think I just sort of carelessly assumed that it would gradually become clear that he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But his firm control, his one-man rule, his centralization of power, his kind of cult of personality uh, is pretty evident just by the freaking gift shop in. Beijing airport where you can buy a, you know, an uncle, she, you know, cup and saucer as (laughs) if it, it was the 50th, the golden centenary of, you know, Queen
1: Elizabeth. That sounds cool. I'd like one of those. You know, if you're, if you're over so there, we only
2: have 40. We only have 40 <laughs> more
1: years to go. Tommy. That's good. Good point. I, I guess uh, get them while supplies last. Danny Russell, thank you for bringing decades of experience dealing with North Korea and all our allies in the region, uh, a sense of humor and a, a sober, but not wholly unoptimistic take on uh, what's happening here on this, this breaking news day on Pod Save the World. Thanks again, man.
2: Well, thanks, Tommy. I'll, I'll admit that this is the first time I've been accused of being sober, but I'll take
1: it. <laughs> A story for another day. Thanks again for tuning in to Pod Save the World. If you like the show, please rate and review us in the iTunes store, and please check out the Pod Save the World Facebook page for more exclusive content. See you guys.